0: Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, on page 1177. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in, in the training and instruction of the Lord.
1: the second reading the second reading is from Exodus chapter 20 verses 12 to 17. this is on page 78 in the bibles in the pews and it's on the notice sheet and should be on the screen exodus 20 beginning at verse 12 honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the lord your god is giving you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor.
0: Thank you, Angela, for reading that to us. As um, Charles has hinted, and David too, uh, please turn to Ephesians chapter f- 6, page 1177. That's an easy page, remember, 1177, which is what we'll be looking at in a moment. Um, our reason for looking at that passage is that we are working through, one by one, the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20, which was our second reading. We've reached the fifth commandment today, and this was a a section of the New Testament that quoted it directly. So that's why we're in Ephesians 6. Um, Let's pray with those words open before us. We do want to... uh echo that word afresh that we just sung let all that is in me adore him and we pray therefore with hearts full of worship and adoration today almighty god we thank you for granting us all that we need so graciously in life and indeed spiritually and we pray that as we turn to your word now It would be a fitting word for us in different ways, maybe in different circumstances each of us have. We pray that we would have that great blessing of hearing your voice and heeding it for the honor and glory of your name. Amen. I was pondering as I thought about this passage and that fifth commandment whether you would say yes to this question. Would you say that the Christian message, the Christian church is for family Values. are we in favour of them and I guess it doesn't take much to answer that in one sense yes but I want to add a a nuance to that Um, a yes but I'll explain a bit that first reading was taken from a section in Ephesians which begins right back earlier in chapter 5 verse 21 where the apostle Paul says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ in other words I respect Jesus first, and as a a result of putting him first, that will show in all sorts of earthly relationships, which he then adumbrates and follows through bit by bit. Three categories of relationship get specifically mentioned, marriage, parents, and children, and the workplace. And I don't think that that list actually is exhaustive. But those areas are important examples of where relationships go wrong often. And Paul is saying in each case, the first thing to be settled is my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So family values, yes, but actually I want to just change it slightly and say kingdom values are what he holds out for us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, the whole section is saying. Now, as we focus on the fifth commandment um, in this little section in chapter 6 of Ephesians, notice, please, two things to highlight in this section of the letter addressed to children and parents. And both of them have that kingdom point being made. Obedience in the Lord and instruction in the Lord or training in the Lord. And I want to just... Ponder those with you to start with. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth and so on. But obedience in the Lord to start with. Paul is quoting Exodus 20. Honor your father and your mother. But I suppose that in turn raises a question in our minds. And maybe you've thought this as we've been going, if you're a regular, going through the commandments week by week. Is the teaching of the Ten Commandments time-bound? Do they still apply in quite the same way when we don't live in a theocratic nation-state like Old Testament Israel? And with reference to the fifth commandment, I suppose we ask that sense with a, an underlying—we uh, ask that question with an underlying sense inherited from those around us that maybe family structures are fluid; they are not set in stone. We think. So we're right to go all the way back to Exodus and say this this is a a commandment for today. But look again in that little section there how Paul the Apostle emphasizes that biblical family relationships are a matter of right and wrong. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, he says. So it's a shorthand way of him saying that, that... um, The family isn't just a social convenience which we're free to adapt or to set aside as we choose. Relationships between parents and children are a matter of right and wrong. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, he says. Then in verses 2 and 3, he quotes the reason God gave the original command. Depending on whether we obey or not, life in society will go well or badly. So he says there, this is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And I think in my mind, in case anybody's wondering why we're doing this on a Harvest Sunday, I think in my mind we decided that today was Harvest Sunday and that was the link, that little phrase there. In the Old Testament, mention was made of the land. So if God's people lived rightly with intergenerational harmony, then the land of milk and honey would flourish, harvest included. But Paul there makes the geography for the New Testament age global, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. If God and humanity are rightly related, and parents and children relate properly out of reverence for Christ, that will be part of God's blessing on the world. It will be the dawning of a new creation, which ultimately, under the rule of Christ, will lead to a remade natural order, which makes our harvest today, with all its beauty and abundance, seem pretty low-key. And I think the point that's being made again and again in the Bible, in this vein, is this is simply how God's world has been set up. The promise isn't so much for individual blessing if one person honors his parents. It's a corporate blessing on society and on God's new society, the church, because God's world is um, set up to run best in God's way. So he makes the point again and again in the Bible, Paul and, and elsewhere, that this family path pattern is not just a passing fad. I had fun with the uh, 9.30 service today looking at this passage. It is very striking that the children are specifically addressed in the New Testament letters with the rest of the church listening on at the same time. So he's writing a letter. He addresses the children. But obviously other people are listening as the letter is read and that bit to the children is read. Parents and others are hearing it. And we apply that principle at All Saints, particularly by having services where all the age ranges are present. So we had that type of service at 9.30 today. It's nice actually to have uh, younger members of the congregation with us at this one as well. It's nice to have that reminder that we're often all ages in this service too. All age services um, are not often very popular. I leave aside the question of whether this is an all age. But 9.30, um, it's, it's a battle for people, all sorts of people. And I went through each group that I thought was there, working out how they were um, struggling, probably, in some aspects of an all-age service. They're not always popular, but Paul seems to believe that it was a good idea for adults to hear him addressing children, and vice versa. So, just because we're a slightly different demographic from the 9.30 service in this congregation, don't assume that we are not intended to overhear the instruction to the children just because we might be a little older, a different stage in life. This little section is addressed to them, children, but in our hearing, if I can put it like that. And I take it that's for all sorts of reasons, but partly it will be so that everybody here can share in the parenting or grandparenting or God-parenting and pray for the children of the church. So I'm not seeing this as a sort of redundant filler for this congregation. I hope um, I can encourage you not to do so. His letters often address children. They are not the church of tomorrow, as we sometimes say. They are the church of today. God speaks direct to them because at whatever age and stage people are, they can relate to him as well as anyone and the call to children here is to obey their parents in the lord i've mentioned already that important phrase in the lord paul's saying there that the relationship between parents and sorry parents and children is part of a whole authority structure where god has set up in society all sorts of different relationships and where the attitude I take towards human authority is an index of the attitude I take to God's rule over me. So I obey them in the Lord under his overall authority. I read something striking once which John Wesley's mother Susanna is supposed to have said. If we want our children to obey Jesus, she said, we must teach them to obey us. In other words, submission to Jesus as Lord will inevitably mean proper submission being shown in child-parent relationships. Those two will always go together in Christian families. So wherever children still live in the parental home and are dependent on mom and dad, they are responsible to obey their parents in the Lord. Whether the parents are doing a good job isn't the issue. They must be respected for their office as parents, not for their performance as parents because God has given them that position over children. Let me quote from John Calvin. Parents sit in that place to which they have been advanced by the Lord who shares with them a part of his honor. Therefore, the submission paid to them ought to be a step towards honoring that highest father. So if a child has... Difficulty respecting parental authority, it's probably because they have trouble respecting God's rule. And I suppose it means that if obedience is an area of difficulty for our families, the first response must actually be in everyone's relationship with God, not in the first instance in the children's relationship with their parents. And you could trace it back one step further. If children struggle to obey parents, might it not be because they've not seen that God consciousness and submission to God lived out by their parents. We've all got a responsibility to model that submission to the younger generation. That's why I'm saying don't write yourself out of the script on the fifth commandment today. Maybe somebody here needs to submit themselves afresh to Jesus Christ as Lord. I wonder if you've ever said to Jesus Christ, thank you Lord, For dying for me, from now on, I want to live for you. If you prayed that way in the past, is that still how you live today? Pray like that for the first time today, maybe? Or for the 101st time, we've got to submit to him. And then who knows what the impact for good on the lives around us that we all touch might be. Now, nothing else will make sense if we get this bit wrong. The whole section shows that it applies to whatever relationship we might be finding hard at the moment. Uh, it would be just as true in our marriages or in the workplace. We must take those relationships first to God and make Jesus Lord of that area first and foremost. So, to sum up this heading, first heading, For children, the principle of submission to God will show itself in obeying parents. And of course there are exceptions, we ought to enter a couple of riders, where evil parents are abusing their position and abusing their children, harming them physically or emotionally or sexually, then it's necessary, I guess, to disobey parents in that situation for their sake or for the child's sake. And I'd always encourage people to feel however difficult it might be, however frightening, they need to talk to someone in that situation. But normally it will be right for children to obey parents. Parents for their part, and let's uh, take this to heart as we pray for them, parents for their part need to expect obedience. Um, Note to self is don't be so passive that I give no directives in family life. And when I do give directives and instructions to carry through on them, it's no good me saying at bedtime, okay, everyone, up you go, if I appear unwilling to make it happen. That doesn't help at all. Another confession uh, from me. If you want a telltale sign that you're not helping your children in this area of obedience, how about this? How many times do you need to repeat your instructions? If I repeat an instruction four times before I do anything about it, I'm not helping my children grasp this principle because actually delayed obedience is really disobedience. So then, obedience in the Lord. Then a second heading, and I'm conscious that I've got lots to say before I finally get to it and land it. The second heading is this, instruction in the Lord. This is really from verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I don't think that applies uniquely to fathers after all the commandment if you think about it applies in the verse before to uh, father and mother it speaks of both, both parents so what's the challenge here, well don't you love the balance of the Bible, I love the way the Bible sees things from both angles often, there's a balance here, yes children are to obey but parents aren't to take that as a mandate to browbeat their children Don't exasperate them, says the Bible, by an unreasonable, unreasoning, authoritarian approach. Supposedly, King George V was remote and distant and cold and abrupt towards his children. There was a time once when a member of the royal court mildly suggested that he could afford to be a bit more relaxed with them. And he's supposed to have replied, my father was frightened of his father, I was frightened of my father, and I'm jolly well going to make it happen that my children are frightened of me. Now, I would not express it like that um, ever. But many fathers, if they're honest, know how tempting it is to use their voice or muscle or intellect to reduce their children to compliance. And the wisdom of the Bible is to suggest that that will easily be counterproductive. So Paul says don't irritate children or crush them by being overcritical or disciplinarian. Authoritarianism leads to exasperation. See, it, it doesn't actually work. It doesn't squash rebellion. It makes children more rebellious. How much easier it is for a child to obey a parent who encourages them and doesn't embitter them Therefore, how important not to withhold encouragement or praise from our children or grandchildren when that should be given. How important not to hide behind the need to discipline them, but for parents to recognize that they are older and in all likelihood much more resilient and therefore to give much more praise and affirmation than criticism. How important for parents, grandparents, not to make their love conditional on good behavior or meeting parental expectations. How important when discipline is required for parents to reassure a child after the punishment that they love them and then to make a clean end of the incident, not to revisit the crime and give a follow-up lecture. That's always the temptation for me. How important all sorts of other ways would come into play, I think, on this. You'd probably be able to contribute lots more to this than I, I can. But how important, I'd say, to have plenty of fun together in our family we call it making memories, whatever that might be, camping on the lawn, lots of family photos, ensuring that Sunday lunch we have the best puddings and fun people around for a meal, those sorts of things. And it might be different in other families, but those are the sorts of things that work, we hope, in our family, to give a warm atmosphere in which discipline, when it is necessary, is understood as just another expression of love. Sharing hobbies and pastimes together. We try and work out what different things our children enjoy. Our children enjoy, and encourage them in them, so that there's never any idea. Um, hopefully, that being a keen Christian makes you less of a person or a killjoy. I heard of one father saying he brought up his children hoping that the person they had to have as a dad, they would want to have as a friend. See the point I'm trying to say on this first point. We will get to the instruction bit uh, in due course, but this is important as the backdrop for it. Really important to find ways of encouraging children in Christian ways which are not heavy and overbearing. One way of taking some of the pressure out of the parenting relationship, and again, it justifies why it's important to do this in, in this Service where parenting is behind us, we feel, in some measure, at this stage. One reason for doing that, to take pressure out of the parenting relationship, is to make sure a wider circle of adults is involved, not just the mother and the father. Godparents are part of that, no doubt. But we could all be involved. Not all of us here are parents. And for some, that might be a matter of great sadness, I'm sure. But the Bible still encourages us all to be committed to raising the next generation and to playing a part in that, whether we are parents or not. So, if you are involved in that wider way of making the the parenting job slightly broader and hopefully lighter, then you are helping parents hugely. Because in those relationships, godliness is caught as well as taught. And you deliver parents from having to teach too much and from exasperating their children. See where I'm going to with the link, hopefully in due course. Parents, says Paul, don't exasperate your children. And I'm learning this at the stage we're at. Um, Exasperation can easily set in more quickly as children get older. Somebody said that raising children is a bit like holding a wet bar of soap. Too tight a grip, and it shoots from your hand. Too loose a grip, and of course it just slips away as well. What you need is a gentle but firm hold, something in between the tight and the loose grip. That's what's needed. Part of the challenge for parents over time is to nurture increasing independence in their children as they get older. So you don't discipline a five-year-old the way you will discipline, hopefully, a 15 year old I will try and make the links, too, to our our youth work in the church. If you're in the habit of praying for TNG, I know a number of you do. I'm very grateful for that work, praying for the older um, children of the church and the teenagers. It's no good for leaders in TNG or parents with teenagers at that stage to present Christian truth to them as we would to a five-year-old with no wiggle room at all. Instead, children from Christian homes need help to keep engaging with the Bible, but in a slightly different way, a way that gives them space to think, to question, to grow into their own convictions. If not, then to use the language here, we will inevitably exasperate our children. Somebody put it like this, there are two great gifts parents can give children. One is roots, the other is wings. bit of stability, but that freedom to branch out. Don't get images of trees with wings or anything unhelpful like that, but both those two are helpful, aren't they? It's hard but necessary for parents of young adults to let them go, particularly And I can, I hope, say this usefully here, particularly later when they get married. Because the Bible teaches that at that point, the relationship to the spouse supersedes the relationship to parents, which was the most important relationship up to that point. A wife needs to know that her husband's loyalty to her is even greater than to his parents. And that will need to be anticipated earlier on in life as well or exasperation and resentment will certainly set in. So how can I put it a bit more positively? Well, instead of parents standing on their own authority, what are they to do according to this this verse? Look again at verse 4. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. How are parents to be God-conscious and to give God authority over themselves and their family. Answer, I think it's by acknowledging the authority of this book within the family. So training and instruction in the Lord is not primarily the job of the curate, the church youth worker. It's not the role of the leaders in TNG or All Saints Kids. It is the role of parents. And just because I widened it out to parents of both genders, then let me say fathers, they need to be involved and not opt out. Um, And I want to encourage you if you've got discouraged in reading the Bible in the home and talking about it, even as a a grandparent or as those without children much in your orbit, um, certainly if you're still a parent and actively involved in, in parenthood, to ensure as best you can that the word is heard and applied in the home as an example to other families that you can influence i'll say that one of the times recently where god's word has spoken most powerfully to me has been in the scrambled couple of minutes before the children left the school on the morning not too long ago um And I don't think they even knew that I was having dealings with God there myself. I believe in family devotions and in us keeping them if we can, even when children have moved out. Let me sum up and conclude. I think we've seen two principles for kingdom family values from Ephesians chapter 6, loosely based on that fifth commandment. Obedience in the Lord, and instruction in the Lord. And let me simply say, just by way of conclusion, if we're daunted by the task, then, look, if if God is our Father, then no failure in this department is final. He's the perfect Heavenly Father, isn't he? Um, Because he sent Jesus into the world, then we can be forgiven because his son Jesus Christ died for our sins, even our sins and failures as parents or indeed as children. And because Jesus is alive today, by his spirit he can reproduce in us his character, God's character. Um, It's wonderful to know that by his spirit God can make us Uh, as he is in a measure a loving parent Uh, we can never attain that on our own but because Jesus is alive today his work in us is not done and therefore in this area which is a challenge to all of us whatever stage we are at in life uh, we can be thankful that he can be at work in us and through us let's pray that that would be so we thank you heavenly father for your perfect fatherhood Um, that benchmark is uh, high and no earthly father can compare to you Um, but we thank you for your work in us by your holy spirit we pray that you would lead us afresh to Jesus Christ this morning to delight in his forgiveness of our sins, to be open to his work in us by his Holy Spirit, to make us more like you. We want to honor you in our homes and in our church family. And we pray for your help, therefore, in Jesus'
1: name. Amen.